for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown. The fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. As we welcome along this afternoon our vet, Dr Kimberly Earle. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Interesting one today. We're going to talk about puppy vaccinations a little later on. Sounds good. And the, the right timing for that because it is Absolutely. important. Yep. So we'll be doing that. And also joining us is Cheryl Shaw. Hello, Cheryl. Good morning. Great to have you here. Uh, we've got someone joining us from All Breeds Dog Training, which is going to be interesting. Yes. It is Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw is here now. Cheryl, a special guest joining us. Yes, we've got Wayne Costello. And Wayne is the uh, secretary for the Newcastle All Breeds Dog Training Club. And we're really lucky here in Newcastle because we've got one of the best dog training facilities in the state. Um, and so I'd like to um, ask Wayne a little bit about just what um, what the association does. So good morning, Wayne. Good morning, Cheryl. Um, what we do, essentially, is train people to train their dogs. Uh, we operate as a community um, organisation. Uh, what we aim for is best possible outcomes for dogs and people. And ultimately, we want well-mannered well-behaved dogs in every family that comes to us. So can anybody come along and join your association? Uh, yes. Uh, in the case of adults, we've got no problems there. Uh, we jo- operate as uh, family members or single members. Uh, in the case of the family, uh, we have a minimum age for children to handle the dogs in classes on in our classes on Sundays, uh, and that's nine. Right. And how are the classes structured? What 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 criteria do you have to run the classes? Uh, essentially, uh, we at beginners level we operate two classes. Uh, we operate what we call beginners class. Uh, and there, in that class, we try to keep the numbers to about 15. There's no differentiation on the type or size of dog. It's all dogs, all people in together in beginners groups. However, we concurrently run what we call small group or motivational groups. Uh, they are limited to eight dogs per class and... Um, they have the same instructor for that class for eight consecutive weeks. Oh, that's good because you get the real consistency there with the training. Yes, you get consistency. Uh, you get the same group of eight dogs meeting each other each week for eight weeks and all of them are under the instruction or guidance of the same club instructor for those eight weeks. And that's really important to have that um, consistency, but also for the socialisation of the dogs, that's a really positive thing. The yeah. um, the instructors that you have, are they all trained instructors? Yes, uh, all of our instructors are trained. Uh, we operate an intensive instructor training course uh, each year uh, just to keep the numbers up. Uh, all of them are volunteers. Uh, that instructor's training course operates over three months and requires a fairly hefty part-time commitment from each of those instructors. And uh, we run a little exam uh, at the end of that course to, in- to, to maintain quality of instruction. 
okay. With that, um, also with training, a lot of things have really evolved these days. Gone are those methods of harsh training, and it's a lot more positive and gentle methods used in training in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Uh, we, uh, the club really um, these days has adopted the most positive training techniques. Uh, what we do is we operate on the basic principle of animal behaviour that those behaviours that are rewarded are repeated and um, that's what we aim for. So we reward appropriate behaviour, uh, particularly when it occurs on command and um, we try to, uh, how can we call it, extinguish uh, un, unreliable or poor behaviour. Right, that's really good. And you have sort of um, tests for these dogs each month, do you? Yes. Um, the club operates across uh, essentially six training grades. And uh, for the first three grades, that's from what we call beginner's grade up to uh, grade three, promotion is automatic at the end of each month for those. So even if you're in the small group class, uh, you can wait until week 12 before we assess the dog's behaviour. Now, I should emphasise at that point that we monitor the dog's behaviour from week 12 forward, not the person's. Oh, right, <laughs> OK. However, the person and the dog are, are, are interaction. They're an interactive unit, and um, we assess that behaviour on the last Sunday of every month. Okay, so if you're taking in new people, Wayne, when can they come along? New people can come along. Uh, you can join at any time, really, but, and do the paperwork, but we commence classes for beginners on the first Sunday of each calendar month. Oh, that's really good. Well, it's a great way to train your dog and also to socialise. So I thank you so much for letting us know and I'm hoping that um, people will take their dog along with you. Is it any age too old? No, no. Look, we've, we, we cater for a very wide cross-section of the community. We've had people from, well, virtually from age nine uh, through to 80s plus. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Wayne. Right, thank you, Cheryl. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Pet Chat. Would you like to talk to our vet? You will get through straight away. And Cheryl, we just spoke there about the all breeds dog training. Someone has phoned through and said, "How can we contact them to find out more details from them?" Okay, if you go on to um, if you if you're driving around and you want to go and have a look next Sunday, it's at Hillsborough Road behind where the dog showground is. And if you go over there, you'll be able to have a look. Um, otherwise, if you can probably, um, I think it might be new dogs. Website, well, new dogs, www. Okay. Good luck with that. Or give us a call here at 2 and your friend will follow up on that for you. Uh, 49216216 if you'd like to talk to our vet, Dr Kimberly Earl. We're having a chat now about the importance of puppy vaccinations. We're excited. We've just got our little puppy. Yeah, we're it's a bundle of, of joy. We're having so much fun. Absolutely. But at what point do we have to look to see about the vaccinations? So most puppies um, are rehomed to their new their forever homes, um, having had their first vaccinations. Not always, but usually. So puppies, we generally recommend first vaccinations uh, between six and eight weeks of age, okay? Now, um, following on from that, they're going to need at least one 
um, and quite often two booster vaccinations. Uh, it depends a little bit on the veterinary practice that does the vaccinations. It depends a little bit on the breed of the dog, on the age of the dog when it was done. There's a number of factors we take into consideration. But overall, we want to make sure that most puppies are getting vaccinated um, at least once between sort of 12 and 16 weeks of age. Um, my practice, our policy is to have one vaccination at or after 14 weeks of age. Um, that's based on some of the World Small Animal Veterinary Association guidelines. Uh, we do know that some... Um, breeds like Rottweilers and things like that are more susceptible to some of the things we're vaccinating against and so we usually try to get another vaccination in with those guys after 16 weeks of age. So it's a little bit uh, dependent on the vaccine used by your veterinarian, by your um, puppy's breed, what age they started their vaccination series on. But one vaccination booster is a minimum and quite often two is required. Now what if they haven't been vaccinated? What does it open them up to catching? Yeah, so the big one in our area is parvovirus. Okay, Parvovirus is pretty nasty. It's a gastrointestinal intestinal virus. It's a really hardy virus. So this is a virus that will live dormant or it will live um, in the soil where a dog has laid down a, a bowel motion. Um, if that dog was infected with parvovirus, the feces itself can be long gone, but the virus still stays active in the soil. And so all that you, you won't see anything. And all that has to happen is you walk your new puppy by, they have a nice little sniff and lick at the grass, because that's what puppies do. They'll still be able to smell the scent of where the feces was. And the virus is still active. And in that lick and sniff that they've just done, they've opened themselves up to parvovirus. And you won't see the signs of it for another five to ten days, potentially. Um, but parvovirus is really nasty. It essentially causes the, the lining of their gastrointestinal tract to slough away. Um, so they get vomiting and diarrhea, usually with blood in it. They come become very, very lethargic, very painful in the abdomen. It's a pretty awful disease to watch. Is there anything a vet can do for it? Yeah, we do lots. And in the past, it had um, a really, really high um, sort of mortality rate. And there are still some dogs we can't save. Um, most of the time, though, we would save probably... It's a little bit different, you know, depending on which vet practice you go to, how much experience they have, but probably between 75 and 80% of dogs will be savable. But that's still leaving a big chunk. If you think you've just brought home a nice new puppy, 25% of those, if they contract parvovirus, are still going to die despite all the best care in the world. That's a pretty awful statistic. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you just don't know that it's there and you won't, you know, you won't have any uh, indication that it's there. So it's really, really important for your puppies to be fully vaccinated before you're taking them to high um, dog traffic areas. So we all recommend no beaches no um, dog parks until your puppy's been fully vaccinated we still need to get them socializing really early um, and so puppy preschools are usually pretty safe all those puppies would have to have had at least their first vaccinations uh, if you have um, friends or relatives that have adult dogs that you know are well vaccinated those dogs are really safe but um, parvovirus is the big one in our area a, a standard c3 puppy vaccination is going to protect them or give them some protection against parvovirus distemper virus and um, canine um, infectious hepatitis virus as well so those are the three main ones that we're looking at. Uh, some people would then choose to add the um, canine cough um, vaccinations, usually at the second puppy vaccination. We've got Peter with a question for you now. Right. Peter's at Stockton. Something uh, with your cat there, problem with it chewing its nails, Peter? Hi there. How are you doing? Hi, we're good. What can we help you with? Uh, I've got a ragdoll cat, right? It's yep. about a year old and it's forever uh, biting the hair on the bottom of its feet or and it's just started chewing its nails. What's the problem? Oh, okay, that sounds interesting. Um, is it an inside cat? Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't go outside at all. And you've got some good flea control on it? 
Oh, yeah. No, it goes outside. Oh, it does go outside. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing we would always say is to be to be making sure that you've got really good flea control. Um, you said it's a young cat, is he? He or she? Uh, she's about one year old. One, yeah, the... that's right. Okay. So... Oh. We certainly can see um, allergic skin disease in um, in cats, and it often comes up uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of you know one to one to three years of age. Um, they can start to manifest with really funny things like um, over grooming of the ventral abdomen or over grooming, um, you know, of the feet, chewing on the toenails. There certainly can be um, infections around the nail beds, so um, fungal or bacterial infections of the nail beds. Cats with flea allergies often manifest really funny signs. So sometimes they'll get acne under their chin, or they'll get um, issues around the, you know, the top of the tail, down the backs of the legs, um, things like that. Even ulcers in the mouth from um, having having flea allergies. So the first thing I always say, if you've got a cat who's chewing or licking, doing funny things, make sure you've got a really good flea control. Even if you're not seeing any fleas on them, flea control is really, really important because it only takes a single flea bite. If you've got an allergic cat, it only takes a single flea bite to really flare them up for a long time. But I think if it's something that's gone on for a long time and if she's chewing on her toenails, it's probably worth a trip into the vet to have them looked at for signs of a, of a nail bed infection or something along those lines as well because I okay. she's on she's on Barbie's uh, the flea control every 12 weeks what is it sorry is it Vantage like Advantage uh, yeah, yeah no, okay yeah. Every, every 12 weeks or every 4 weeks uh, no it's every um Every, I think it's about every yeah four weeks. I think four you're right. Four weeks, yeah. yeah. Usually four weeks for those sorts of things. One of the things sometimes we can see some resistance from some of the older generation products, and there are some nice new ones available. Um, so you may not be seeing fleas in her, but it's sometimes an easy thing to do is to try a different um, brand and see if that helps. But I definitely maybe get her nail beds checked out um, by a veterinarian just see if there's any other signs of things going on. Good on you, Peter. Just like Peter, you can give us a call right now four nine two one six two one six for pet chat at two and you are a fit. I don't know what to say because I said to you, what are we going to talk about? And you guys just went, ah. Uh, well, we're still, we're still in dental health month. So um, I'm going to come back to my practice from here today and I've got a rabbit dental to do. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people really overlook sometimes. A lot of people get a rabbit thinking it's a really quick, easy little pet Do to their have. teeth need caring for? Absolutely. Because yeah. rabbits, unlike dogs and cats and humans, rabbit teeth grow continuously throughout their life, one to two millimeters a week. So um, it's really, really important. And I think it's something that's really overlooked. If you go into a pet shop and say, what kind of care does my rabbit need? They're not going to say anything about dental care. And we get a lot of um, very surprised rabbit owners who, you know, come to us and go, but I didn't think my rabbit would need any kind of work. You know, I thought they just needed to have some food. Um, so rabbit uh, dental work is actually really, really important. And we actually recommend all of our dent all of our rabbit patients have a consult um, to have their mouth checked out every six months because so much can change in a rabbit in that short period of time. So the rabbit I'm doing today um, has had some dental issues in the past that were actually causing him a lot of pain and he was pretty um, skinny. He came to us because the owners had noticed weight loss and he couldn't eat because he had a sore tooth. And we've actually had to extract a molar, um, one of his cheek tooth teeth um, from his mouth and we've had to, to take that out. 
Um, and he still needs to have ongoing regular maintenance dental. So um, the job for us today is to go back in, have a look and see what's happening. But because those teeth grow um, all the time, we've taken out a lower molar on him. The tooth that's adjacent to that in the upper arcade has nothing to grind against now. So that tooth needs to be shortened because it's going to get longer and longer and then potentially cause problems with him closing his mouth. So we'll be um, having a look through his mouth and shortening those cheek teeth um, to an appropriate level. Rabbits also, because they do a bit of a side-to-side chewing motion. Even rabbits that don't have dental problems often start to develop uh, a sharp point on the the lingual or the tongue side of their um, teeth. They're sort of doing a side-to-side action and that kind of sharpened the, the sort of inner points to the teeth. Um, and it can get bad enough that they can actually sort of cut into the tongue. And again, that causes pain. Rabbit goes off of its food. It's really important in rabbits that they don't go off their food because it can cause all sorts of gut problems and a condition called um, gut stasis or gastrointestinal stasis. And that can be life-threatening. So um, we see lots of little rabbits as well as, as young babies that will come into us with uh, dental problems of their incisor teeth. So um, nature really never had intended rabbits to be these cute little floppy-eared dwarf bunnies that we see. We see a lot of similar problems to um, what we call brachycephalic or squashy-faced dogs. They have a hard time fitting all their teeth in their mouth, and the same thing happens with rabbits. And so we frequently get sometimes even 10- or 12-week-old baby lop-eared bunnies, little dwarf lop bunnies, um, and their incisor teeth, instead of growing down, have actually started to grow curled around. Mm. Um, And that certainly causes problems with them um, prehending their food or getting their food into their mouth. Um, And we have to do dental trims and things on those. Sometimes we actually recommend taking them out because if you're having to trim them every, you know, sometimes six or eight weeks, it can be quite um, costly and and challenging for the rabbit as well. So even as they get older and they mature... The yep. teeth are still growing. They, yeah. don't, they don't reach a point where that's it. Nope. Through the entire life of the rabbit, the teeth continue to grow. Yep. So they're, they're open-rooted teeth and they just continue to grow. And they need that um, for that you know grinding action because rabbits are meant to be grinding and eating a lot of roughage. So they should be eating a lot of hay and a lot of grass. And they, if they didn't have those continuously growing teeth, um, their teeth would you know be ground down to nubbins before their life expectancy was finished. So they need to have those teeth continuously growing. But what we find is that humans in their you know desire to have different breeds and different styles of rabbits and things like that, different sizes, um, we've created rabbits that, you know, have actually quite bad dentition. Compound that with the fact that the majority of rabbits um, that we see are eating quite a poor diet. We get a lot of rabbits eating sort of grains and seed mixes and they're not getting hay and grass. Um, That really compounds the problem. Um, And so you have rabbits' teeth who are, they're overgrowing, they're causing problems in the mouth, Um, then the rabbits, you know, get sick and... and What about a guinea pig? Are they similar? Very similar, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They can get, guinea pigs are a bit funny, they can actually get what we call a tongue entrapment. So again, that side-to-side chewing action tends to favour that the the lower cheek teeth or the lower molars tend to um, get this sort of sharp edge. As they grow up, they get this sharp edge that comes over. And and I've actually seen guinea pigs where the teeth have grown over the tongue um, and they've sort of created this bridge. And literally the tongue is trapped underneath the teeth and they can't get the tongue Mm -hmm. out. And that obviously causes problems for swallowing and things like that. So guinea pigs as well can have some pretty serious um, dental problems. So guinea pigs and rabbits definitely should be having rental dental checks, regular dental checks. With guinea pigs, we don't have vaccinations we can give them, but certainly um, rabbits, there is a Khaleesi virus vaccination. We do recommend that every six months. So for our rabbit clients, it falls in pretty nicely for every six months. Come in, have a good health check, have your mouth looked at, and get your vaccination boost. We've got Dirk with us now from Gilliston Heights. You're getting a drop or two rain there, Dirk? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> You've got a problem with your chickens. What can we help you with? Oh, I've noticed um, 
the lack of down feathers under the vent and it leaves like a red skin. Yep. Yeah. These are laying hens, are they? Um, no, they're a game bird, but I haven't noticed any um, signs of feather pecking or anything like that. And I'm just... Um, How, are they young birds or are they um, more mature or...? Uh, a little bit more mature, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not uncommon. If you've got, um, certainly in laying hens, they quite often will get sort of really red. They'll lose a lot of feathers, um, you know, when they're sort of sitting on eggs, things like that. And it is a, a sort of coming into, I guess they're game birds, but they might be coming into breeding season where they're starting to think about um, getting clucky. Um, usually, if it's if it's more than one bird happening, it's often sort of a hormonal um, influence where they're getting this sort of red, sort of warm, thickened sort of skin there as if they were going to sit on eggs and it helps just to, to maintain the temperature of the eggs. But there certainly can be problems um, with feather lice, things like that, that can be um, causing them some issues if there's scratching. Uh, so it doesn't hurt to have a really good look through the feathers of some of the birds and see if there's anything there. There certainly are some um, topical treatments that can be used for them. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned already picking picking at the feathers um, from the other birds. That's certainly something to be on the lookout for, but you're usually going to see that. And if there's no lesions, scabbing or um, anything like that on them, it's probably still within the bounds of normal. I certainly see quite a few of them yeah, just um, bare. coming. Yeah, just bare, yeah. bare, smooth skin. Certainly will feel a little bit warmer usually and often does get quite, um, quite pink or, or almost red in colour, but it usually will settle down um, after a time. And I suspect that because we're getting into longer days, length times they might be thinking about um you know some reproductive the body the hormones uh stimulation is happening there so yeah it's starting to come into the lay a little bit now. yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. so if it is a mite yep. um what would the trust best treatment be for that yeah so there's there's a number of different things available so i mean there's red mites which we often see in the coop and they don't sort of live on the birds they'll go on to the birds and then um, you sort of at night and then they sort of live in the coop during the during the day there's a few different things you can do with that including diatomaceous earth um, they're challenging to get rid of particularly if in your coop if you've got sawdust and things like that but can be done um, number of different things online it, because you have to couple, try a couple different things but um, I think my my partner um, has used for her chickens she's used diatomaceous earth without you know with pretty good luck if there are things on the birds um, lots of the different feed shops will have um, um, powders and things that you can use. We use a, an off-label um, topical product, which you just apply to the top of each bird, and that's usually pretty good at getting rid of them as well. Rightio. Thank you so much for your call here at Pet Chat today. I've got to tell you about my neighbour's dogs. Okay. Yeah, this little one, little foxy yep. type the chihuahua, just barks, hates me. <laughs> Always at the fence. Goes off. Yeah. And then they've got another dog, which is like a shepherd type, and it can't bark. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> So he's trying to support the little one, but it's yeah. not... And I think it's funny. I'll look, put my head over the uh, fence. Oh, it goes nuts. And then you go away. So he's succeeded. He's chased you away successfully. But now they've worked out what time I go from my shed to my car heading to work because he's already waiting at the fence, barking, <laughs> waiting for me to go to my car. They're pretty good with schedules. My, my dog knows exactly when it's dinner time. She'll be dead asleep. And within five minutes, she has to wait till six o'clock for dinner. And within five minutes of the, you know, it's it's five fifty-five. She'll be dead asleep, and the next minute she's there and she's waiting. And but it's I'm not being time. nasty. I lean over the fence. Hello, how are you? Doing? Oh, still going off. <laughs> yeah, not happy. Doesn't matter. I'm like guarding, I'm being nice to you. I'm guarding not being its nasty. territory. Just wants you to know that this is my territory. <laughs> off you go. And you like never that. and you never come no in. No sound. Every, it, they win every time. You I'd be never scared come to in. go in. This yeah. one's really angry. Yeah, Put but your head over the fence. It's jumping up to try and get at me. Yeah, that's all right. You think it's okay? Well, 
As long as he's in his yard, he's fine. The saga will continue, the so I'll be able to continue. tell you in a couple of weeks. You'll yep. ask me how it's going. It's the classic thing with um, you know, people when dogs inside the house and the paper boy delivers the paper or something like that. Mailman comes, right? <laughs> and they bark and they bark and they bark. Try to bark. And they're they're defending their territory, and then the postman moves off. Yeah, and they've won. And so the next time, it's, it's positive reinforcement for them. I did this, I and won. the postman went away, and I won. And so next time, that's what I'm going to do again. Well, thank you for the, today, you two. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. We'll be back next week with yep. Pet Chat. There is our vet, Dr. Kimberly Earl and Cheryl Shaw, joining us today here at 2NURFM.